Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful sources in an age of disinformation. Our name is inspired from a quote by D.T. Niles, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week, we recommend a source for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video. This week, we bring you the Shawshank Exemption. And with that, this is Luke here in Wisconsin, and I'm here as always with Nick in North Carolina. How's it going, Nick? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Got my second cup of coffee for the first time in a long time, so I am surviving now and thriving a little bit. Oh, that's good. Yeah, surviving, thriving. That's that's really good. Um, yeah, occasionally. How's your uh, how's your teeth situation? Oh yeah, my teeth situation. For uh, everyone who doesn't know, because this is a podcast and not a, I don't know, what do they call video casts? Vod, vodcasts? Video casts? Vlogs, maybe? Vlogs. I don't know. I Eat got, me. yeah, <laughs> I got braces, which is fun. Uh, that is not very fun. Um, but, uh, you know, they were like, because... I'm not like a middle schooler, which is really interesting. Their whole like setup, their communication is designed for helping middle schoolers. They're like, Hey, don't share rubber bands with other friends. I'm like, I, I'm not going to. (laughs) (laughs) I would hope not. Please don't. They were like, uh, um, if you don't like keep up on your, your hygiene for your teeth, you like, you lose like your color option for like what you want your brace color to be. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) good to know. (laughs) Um, but it's also, no, my colors (laughs) punishment. I know it was funny because they were like, Oh, do you, uh, do you want like this neutral color, which kind of hides them well as an adult? I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm an adult. I have braces. I'm just going to own it. Give me blue. I'll take blue. <laughs> so um good embrace the blue embrace oh oh boy uh so did you uh did they give you the option to do mix and match i think they did i was just like i just want blue i wasn't feeling that like <laughs> zesty i guess i wasn't feeling that uh zesty for braces i was like a little risk averse for my color choice but i wasn't too risk averse to choose like the neutral like sepia tone or whatever (laughs) is that a thing a neutral blue i don't know um if anybody here is like persistent open mouth purring that's not me cat it's not luke (laughs) through his braces it's not it's not me is it luna i choke on water no it's ringo she was calling at the door so now she's hanging out for this podcast episode oh cool and so she's rubbing the desk with oh. her mouth open, and it's making a horrible noise. Oh, well, I, I honestly, I can't hear it, so I don't know. Maybe other people will hear, but... Uh, I'll I'll edit it yeah. out. Maybe I'll leave, like, one, and I'll be like, nah, it's just Luke breathing. It'll be like an Easter egg. No. <laughs> well, speaking <laughs> of this podcast, uh, we are recommending a documentary. It's a little lengthy, but it's worth it's worth the watch. It's on Netflix. It's a lot longer than I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's an hour and 40 minutes, and I'd say it's worth it. So, um, obviously, we say it's worth it because we're recommending it. But um, mm-hmm. it's funny. So. 
I don't know why, but I also thought it was shorter because I, I watched it, a, like, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, and then I watched it just, like, this Monday because I was like, I need to, you know, rewatch it and have it fresh in my mind as we talk about it. And yeah. I wonder if it's just that it kind of feels fast with – it's a pretty well-produced documentary. Um, did I say the name of it yet? I don't know if I did. Or am I going to – we're recommending the 13th. Um, and I just realized this is the 12th episode, so – you know, it may think we're recommending the 13th episode of our podcast, but that's not what we're doing. But we're recommending That'd be fine. the 13th. And if you're like, why is this podcast or why is this documentary named the 13th? I'm glad you asked. Um, it's named the 13th because it's referring to the 13th Amendment of the United States. And in that amendment, it is basically talking about how we no longer have slavery um, but sometimes the rights can of like of us as citizens uh, can be suspended or exempted when we are being punished for a crime, like I don't know, being sent to prison. Um, which is what the documentary is about. It's about mass incarceration. Um, That's the title. Yeah. Before I go any further, what uh, what do you think of it, Nick? What do you have any just introductory thoughts you'd like to like to share? Well, I think it's just it's very nice to be able to kind of come almost full circle in a sense. And when I say that, I mean this was one of the first things that I I think saw as far as like anti-racism is concerned, or just understanding the historicity of systemic racism in America. When I was an undergrad, at least I think I was an undergrad. It was either I heard about it in undergrad and I ignored it until <laughs> I graduated. And then I watched it and I was like, wow, I've learned so much outside of school. Um, but it definitely like it propelled me on a journey for sure, I think. And so when I say it comes full circle, I mean, I think it's a good resource for us to round off on with regard to racism as far as like this podcast and resources engaging with these topics are concerned um because it definitely gets you like you were saying before and like the co-listener will talk about too later how you can learn a lot from this one but it's definitely not the end and we've said that for i think every episode involving race and understanding racial identity and things specific to American history of racism. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it definitely is helpful to know. And I think as we'll get further into this episode, we'll talk more about why this specific resource and understanding the history of mass incarceration is important today, you know, because it does have long lasting impacts. Um, and yeah, so I think it's just something that everybody should be aware of and it was definitely something growing up i had never heard of um and i think this paints a really not necessarily neutral tone to the debate or the concept but it paints it evenly like there's a lot of people at fault uh and we'll (laughs) we'll dive into that in a second yeah absolutely i really appreciate it too because um you know in our age of partisanship uh, often one of the wedge issues that we have is like basically conservatives or Republicans as a whole being painted as racist 
And for a lot of my friends, it's very flabbergasting because they're like, what are they talking about? Like, I don't really, I don't even think about race that much. Or like, I don't, you know, they're not waking up. Yeah, and going, it's not necessarily in their like, their everyday consciousness, you know? Sure. I mean, it's not in mine either. Most days. Um, it's not like I wake up and go, I think black people are, are somehow lesser than white people. Like, that's not when we talk about systemic racism. I think that was the biggest hurdle for me to get over when I was younger. And that idea was first presented to me like, oh, yeah, we struggle with racism as a country. I was like, no, we don't. What are you talking about? Like, I was very defensive, very upset. Um, and this documentary, um, and I think we can just jump right into it. It talks a lot about both the portrayal of African-Americans in media and American history and talking about the KKK and Birth of a Nation. Um, but it also talks about, like, politically, I guess I've just been talking about politics for a little bit, so I'm just going to continue with that. You know, we're we've we're all pretty familiar with, you know, the war on drugs, just say no. And it's easy to point the finger at both sides, right? It's easy to point at Nancy Reagan and the Reagan years as like starting or not even necessarily starting because it started before that with Nixon. And I think I can't remember the name of the guy in between them. Um, But really like the Clinton administration and both Hillary and Bill, but Hillary is like on a recording as part of this documentary where she's talking about super predators and it's like, wow, like this is by no means a Republican or Democratic problem it was much more it was a bipartisan problem um normally like hey bipartisanship this time like oh oh boy (laughs) yeah maybe not as beneficial in this case no no but that's interesting too yeah because oftentimes what you do hear about like the experience that you had and like your friends had and it's like there's a lot of rhetoric directed at one political party but really this documentary kind of highlights how yeah like the clinton administration in particular had a very large influence on the development of that prison industrial complex infrastructure that allowed for mass incarceration to propagate at even higher levels than it had during like the reagan and bush administrations combined and so it's just interesting to see how this tough on crime policy within like developed by a party impacted through the culture and then throughout that wave of culture the democratic party kind of like falls in the line with that because of those um democratic trends or demographic trends that they were talking about in the documentary in which during the civil rights movement there was also an increase in crime as well and so there's a lot of a an association between those two um which create it helped further that dynamic of we need to be tough on crime um which is definitely something that you see a lot in the clinton administration which is a big proponent for how he got elected um because he was going to model kind of those sentiments echoed before by previous republican parties or presidents yeah, I thought that was interesting when they brought up that the boomers were coming of age around the civil rights movement and that an increase in crime was partly just due to people coming of age. Um, 
that was really fascinating. I never knew that. Um, I did want to, I again want to pause for just a second. Cause I was actually, I was just talking with a friend last night where the race has been talked about so much in the past. Um, I don't know, basically since George Floyd's death, which I think is important. I'm not saying it shouldn't be talked about. Obviously we talked about it quite a bit. Um, but I think there's this fatigue on a lot, a lot of people. And believe me, I'm not saying that just because we're fatigued, we should stop talking about it. Um, but one of the things that I think has made things worse is again, talking about these partisan politics, um, Honestly, a lot of times white rural folks are painted as like, oh, you're racist. And then they're kind of like, what? I'm so confused. What are you talking about? Um, and obviously there are people that are racist. You know, there are neo-Nazis. There are the KKK. I'm not saying that's not real. I'm not saying that doesn't exist. Um, that would be really silly and foolish. Um, but I am saying there's a there's a part of the exhausted majority i think is one term i've really appreciated that's just just that they're exhausted they're confused they're like i don't i don't know so my intention when at least whenever we're recommending a documentary like this again is not to be like i know better because i really in a lot of ways i don't feel like i know better i'm just like this this documentary is really helpful for me and not that I don't know. I let me okay. There was that example that I was talking about before we started recording. I'll I'll go ahead and just bring that up because that that was really refreshing um, when I noticed it. Many of you have heard of the game called Catan or Settlers of Catan, and you may be confused. What the heck does it have to do with mass incarceration right now? <laughs> so give me give me a second, and I'll link it back. So when I was in uh high school i don't know i i played Catan when it was older the actual board game has been changed by the people who create it um it used to just say settlers in like big letters and i know this because i still have that box or my family has that box that says settlers of Catan, really big settlers and it also has the robber the the person that you place to like block resources is a thief and they're black and later, now, the board game Settlers of Catan has the name Catan, C-A-T-A-N, or Catan, however people pronounce it. <laughs> I don't know why, but people sometimes get really heated about how to pronounce it. I am indifferent, so whatever. I just say Catan. Um, so it's got these big letters, right? It doesn't say Settlers of Catan. It just says Catan in, like, big yellow letters and a red box. And then the thief, the robber, no longer is black, but it's gray. So why am I bringing this up? Talking about racism, talking about um, the 13th. Uh, I'm bringing it up because I think it's a great example of a company. And I'm not sure if they received a bunch of feedback or not, or if they just realized, oh, hey, settlers of Catan. I can see where that might have some colonialist connotations or imperialist connotations. Or having a, a black robber, someone could be like, wow, we're once again, we're just depicting black people as morally inferior people who steal. Um, I, you know, I don't know who decided that change. I never read any article about it. I just noticed it because I played the game probably 
couple hundred times <laughs> so <laughs> i've played with the old board game and the new board game and i'm i'm not like proposing cancel culture i'm not like oh we should go and cancel board games that are old and uh not like with our times i i think there's a fundamentalism in progressive camps that is uh really problematic um but i'm not i'm not saying that that's what we should do uh, I just thought it was really refreshing to notice this change. Um, I'm also like, I'm not ashamed of the old board game that says settlers and has a black robber. I'm just like, Oh, they changed it. Wow. That's really cool. Um, I think that's a great example of someone, whether it's because they received feedback or someone internally changed it. Um, of someone adjusting, realizing, Oh, perhaps we're, we're tapping into these historical themes um like of of painting black people as thieves as morally inferior as dubious um but anyway that was my little thought before um so partly it doesn't really have to do with mass incarceration in particular um talking about racism or systemic racism uh I thought it was applicable. <laughs> I think it's applicable because a lot of the discussion, at least in the pretty decent chunk of the documentary, is talking about that imagery, right? And those connotations, connotations associated with imagery and how it has historical undertones to it. So when we're thinking about how, like, for example, board games are representing themselves, like it, it is very interesting and somewhat encouraging to see how even though it's not like on the on the spectrum of like mass incarceration to maybe some you know colonial undertones for a board game like it's not necessarily impacting people perhaps as significantly but in a sense it also does because it impacts the culture in a way we're viewing things like you could think about how birth of a nation impacted people's perceptions because it affirmed a lot of their preconceived racial notions regarding how black people operated in society following the civil war um and how those same themes and content tropes continue to propagate through the culture um and then we see like even now with i know we were talking about this before the show um the comedy central video with jordan peele and the whole um it was like framed as like a a media portrayal of black ice and so the black news reporter Jordan Peele is frequently asked about in a snowstorm black ice black ice and oh, yeah. they kind of just kind of make fun of that concept of like like black ice is dangerous and black ice is like out to get you and you got to like hide your kids and stuff like that and like those they poke fun at the themes that have been so prevalent that like we hear that and we're like oh, that sounds familiar to me. Or at least, like, I think if enough people become aware of it, like, you can see these themes throughout history. And there's good resources for that, too. Like, I know, I don't know if we talked about it before on this podcast, but the, um, dang, it's by Ibram X. Kendi, and it's his book about um, the history of racist ideas in America. And so it goes from like 1600s up until the modern day or at least like the turn of the 21st century and how oftentimes these ideas are shaped by racist attitudes and that also 
even as the documentary talked about too, it can also come from African Americans as well, because um, it's part of the culture. Like they're not isolated in in some sort of vacuum from the culture, or at least the majority culture, right? And so can't say that these ideas don't have an impact on how people are perceiving of themselves and their identity groups as well. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Bringing up the the Jordan Peele skit. Um... I felt like I wasn't sure, but I almost felt like he was satirizing more like news coverage of race, how so many times it's like this sensationalized, they are black and they did this or they are white and they did this. And it's not really very thoughtful. It's just very surface. Like they literally made it the most surface level of the surface level. Like they were saying like black guys and then the black reporters like all this white snow, <laughs> like all this white snow is like blinding people. And <laughs> it's just like, I almost kind of took it as oh we're just making fun of this ridiculous coverage which i mean i think someone could look at this podcast and very easily go are you really talking about a board game the the color that they made the robber the thief and again i'm just returning to you know if it's just a random board game that's isolated without these larger contexts these larger narratives in, in our history then yes that would be absolutely absurd i mean that'd be like why are you why are you pointing this out um but it's we don't live in an isolated context um and i, I you know i don't know i'm just talking about a lot of different stuff now but um i that's interesting that you brought that up because i kind of took it a little bit more like they were just making fun of how sometimes coverages of racial just tension or racial happenings whatever yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely viewed it as a parallel to what I had just seen in the documentary, and how like they portray like particularly how they criminalize blacks or African Americans within media, and how like even in the documentary they talked about how that's not like the portrayal of, and there's been research done on this too, how the portrayal and prevalence of African Americans in media coverage involving crime is disproportionate to the amount of crime that's actually occurring. So it's just interesting to see how like that can be used as a tool to again perpetuate those tropes that we hear of. And I feel like that video from Comedy Central is more talking about those tropes than about the ridiculousness in general of the media's portrayal of these crimes. Because it is also ridiculous too. Because again, like we've talked about with uh man, what's his name? John Stewart, yeah, and like how he talks about that spectacle of media and the way in which people are drawn into it because it's set up in such a way that it's entertaining, like it's meant for entertainment. And so that's, again, another reason why we don't recommend like air quote, you know, kind of like 24-7 news coverage and stuff that really is there just to get your attention. And so... There's not necessarily, there's plenty of ethical dilemmas with consuming that sort of media, but it's also like they don't have any ethical dilemmas within that department because what they're looking for ultimately is profit, which will come into play. I mean, I'm sure that that'll come into play in one of our previous episodes in which we talk about like corporate wokeness, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and talking about profit, that's, that kind of ties in well with the last part of the documentary, or I don't know if it's the very last, but part of it where they're talking about 
the for-profit prisons and talking about how the prisons are trying to incentivize basically different policy making that's not in the best interest of the public but it is in the best interest of keeping the most people imprisoned um right it's like with uh smoking uh just connect the dots i think i know what you're saying but what do you mean just like the lobbyists for nicotine producers yeah yeah Tobacco. i was just gonna leave it at that you know just be like, yeah you know smoking very similar uh. parallel but no in the <laughs> sense of how we know like we know scientifically that this cause like it's a leading cause of death in the united states like it's a major healthcare issue and it puts a lot of economic burden on the healthcare system too but because the prevalence of the nicotine or tobacco lobby is so strong like there have been efforts to like reduce use um and you can see that in, like media portrayals but even just in like policies there's been efforts to restrict the accessibility of these things but the lobby itself is there for the tobacco companies and so what happens is that they're so strong that they end up overturning something that could benefit people but ultimately what they're looking for is the benefiting of themselves in this situation um there's definitely other parallels to similar things but i don't think that would be the content for this episode (laughs) gotcha no that that makes a lot of sense thanks for connecting that um before I forget, I did want to bring in our co-listener, and this is Sarah in Illinois. Thank you so much, Sarah, for offering your thoughts and your reflections. Um, Sarah says, Ava DuVernay's 13th deserves anyone and everyone's time. The documentary deftly exposes a long chain of events, policy, and rhetoric, which led from slavery to America's position today as the country with the largest prison population in the world, a prison population which is disproportionately black. Not by accident, but by design. For those who can't yet commit to a whole book on mass incarceration, like the new Jim Crow, this documentary is a great place to start, and the faces, music, and images make it compelling, personal, and heart-wrenching. Duvernay also avoids the classic red versus blue narrative in this movie, instead telling a story of corruption and racism deep within America's politics that cuts across all party lines. While at times the film, <clears throat> excuse me, while at times the film features some outdated statistics or exaggerates the role of for-profit prisons in the prison population boom, the overall message of the documentary cannot be ignored. America needs to do something, something drastic, and do it now to make up for the massive harm done to Black Americans. Each week for the past several months, I have been visiting girls at the Cook County Juvenile Detention Center, and I have yet to meet a white student. With one exception, every girl I have met there has been black, and I often walk away weighed down by the heavy reality of systemic racism in the U.S. and asking how, why. 13th is a great place to begin for those like me who are looking for answers. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for your co-listening. And um, for those wondering, uh, what is Cook County? That's uh, Chicago's county. So, um, and working with juvenile detention center there in chicago um thank you for that uh those thoughts sarah and uh nick did you have any uh concluding thoughts before we wrap up today's episode no i was just thinking about how yeah how impactful that that co-listener review is and how yeah like it just makes me think about 
as Christians, like what, what should our response be to that? And so somebody actually taking a practical step and serving those who are affected by these injustices as they occur, it's something that I find to be very encouraging um, and challenging for me too, as I try to navigate, you know, figuring out where, where do we engage, you know, and like what, like we even talked about before on um, an episode with Katrina Hodges, how it's like, you have to be invested in such a way but not spread out so thin like you need to choose where you can engage locally in your community um to make an impact and maybe think about how to promote change within your own sphere i am encouraged by that word from katrina and by our co-listener sarah and i'm also encouraged by you nick and just the way you've been active in local just local uh, activities with helping resettle refugees and what you're doing in grad school. I think it's awesome just as, as a friend. Well, with that, um, we are going to go ahead and finish up with this episode. And next week, if you'll join us, we're coming back with Won't You Be My Neighbor. See you next week.